What's the S stand for? It's not an S. On my world, it means hope. Well, here it's an S. Hey there, enthusiasts. Welcome back to Hero Talk. I'm your host, Judge Greg. Let me introduce to you our panel for today. On my digital right, I have the Black Dragon himself, Vernon. Vernon, how's it going? Breathing fire as usual and uh, taking names at the same time. So, it's pretty good. Awesome. On my digital left, Axelon, Devourer of Worlds. Axie, what's going on? Uh, Just axing some people, that's all. You do what you gotta do, man. Today's movie is Man of Steel, and as always, Hero Talk is a spoiler podcast. We will spoil this movie, and in fact, let me expand that, because we're probably going to pick fair game, uh, the original four Superman movies, Superman Returns, and anything in the comic books that we've read. Fair game. Let's just put that out there. So if you don't want that spoiled, you need to turn it off right now. And I mean right now, because Superman breaks Zod's neck at the end. <laughs> yeah. And Bruce Wayne's parents die. They do. That's right. <laughs> We're spoiling we'll also be spoiling it. other stories for you. <laughs> Outside of screen is people. <laughs> All right. So, hey, guys. Thanks for joining me today. Let's talk Man of Steel. Um, let me just put my cards on the table. I like this movie. I didn't love it. All right. That's fair. <laughs> yeah. I don't, I don't know. Like I, this, this was a movie that it seemed like I ran into a lot of people who either were like me and were like, yeah, it was a good movie. I mean, it wasn't the best movie, but it was a good movie. And you have the people who were just uh, adamant in their hate about it. And let me, let me just make one thing clear before we move on. This is an argument that I do not like to hear and I don't tolerate. When somebody says the real Superman wouldn't have done that. Oh, right, yeah. Let, yeah, let me just make something perfectly clear, folks. Superman does whatever the writer wants him to do. So if the writer wanted Superman to break Zod's neck, Superman is going to break his neck. So don't tell me Superman wouldn't do that because Superman isn't real. It's my my least favorite comic book movie argument. Well, you got to consider that we grew up with a less violent Superman. This is shocking to some people who have grown up with the comics and the television shows and the Justice League animated cartoon and... He I think never did that, except for in the alternate universe where he melts Lex Luthor's face off. Yeah, I think a lot of just used to Christopher Reeves Superman, who was pretty much old school Silver Age comic book Superman, who was super nice, could get anything done, you know, by just like thinking about it, pretty much. And this is like <laughs> not that Chris. I gotta say, like in my head, when I when I think Superman, when I kind of read in comic books, the voice I hear in my head is Chris Reeves. And, and I understand that, but I also understand that um, he can't play Superman anymore and that, you know, you, sometimes you got to change the character to fit the new generation. Uh, yeah, yeah. You know, honestly, I didn't have any problem with Henry Cavill as Superman. No, I, I no, him. I didn't either. I liked, I liked him. Yeah. So a little fun fact, um, way back when Batman Begins was being cast, Henry Cavill was on the shortlist to play Batman. Okay. Um, you can kind of see chin. He does he have has chin. The chin. The problem is, and you got to remember a good this. Chin for Batman. This would have been about 10 years ago. So you would have had 10 years younger Superman playing Batman. And I think maybe that wasn't the right way to go. Well, I never knew about Henry Cavill before this. I actually thought his, <laughs> I confused him with Jim Caviezel <laughs> from the Passion of the Christ. Yeah. So, um, like, wow, they're yeah. making this Jesus metaphor a little far. 
right? <laughs> yeah, you are. Yeah, you so are. So I didn't, I didn't yeah. know who Henry Cavill was until like, yeah. you know, right. Superman was like in production and they announced who was going to play him and stuff. And I was like, okay, yeah, I can, I can see him as mm-hmm. Superman. Cool. <laughs> yeah, I um, I knew Henry Cavill. I think the first movie I saw him in was uh, The Count of Monte Cristo. Hmm. Where um, oh yeah yeah he played yeah. he played the son of Jim Caviezel's character Jim Caviezel played the Count of Monte Cristo <laughs> Henry Cavill was his son all right so, so come full brought circle. it full circle brought it back but yeah I liked him now I want to say I actually liked Brendan Routh and there was a lot I did not like about Superman Returns but I think Brendan Routh was a good Superman uh, I, I definitely it. agree with you there. Uh, the Superman Returns had a lot of flaws, but he was not one of them. He was a fantastic Superman. No, I thought I thought he was great. I mean, I I understand if you maybe are trying to distance yourself from that, then you want to uh, you want to get a different Superman. And Henry Cavill was fine. In fact, I actually quite like him as Superman. I thought he was very likable. But I don't know. Brendan Routh, I thought was also quite likable, and I did like him as Superman. I don't know. Like I never saw the Superman Returns, so yeah. maybe I have no frame of reference for that. But I I, I thought. Uh, I mean, just from looking at Brendan Routh, I didn't really, I, I didn't really see Superman. Yeah. I see Superman with, I almost said Jim Caviezel. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I almost no, said Jim no, it's Caviezel. His son. Uh, it's his son. Yeah. Um, Henry Cavill. There you go. Uh, so, yeah, I, I saw him as definitely like, okay, that's Superman. Yeah. Yeah. I That, uh, that chin, though. It was, it's, I do like that. I got The guy looks like Superman. I mean, that's that's the number one thing. And I think giving him a little bit more time to age has made him. I don't know how old he actually is. I know he's, he's playing 33, but I imagine that he's probably 40. And I know one of you is Googling it right now. So I just shout it out when you got it. Who, Henry Cavill or Henry Cavill <laughs> or Jim Caviezel? No, not Jim Caviezel. <laughs> OK, Henry he's 31, Cavill. 31. All right. So holy cow. So he would have been 21 playing Batman. Now that's way too young. Yeah, no. So this movie was directed by Zack Snyder. Now, for I, Zack Snyder's style is pretty clear. He likes the speed up, then slow down, then speed up, then slow down. Now, I would have thought of any movie that really could have benefited from that. It was Man of Steel. I'm like, well, I mean, you have Superman. He's doing stuff super fast because he's Superman. Um, I'm okay with that. And then turns out he didn't use that effect a whole lot. And so then I have to question, then why did you get Zack Snyder? No, well, I mean, he makes things look good. Makes things look pretty. Yeah, I'm not in the Zack Snyder hate camp, by the way. I do like the guy. Yeah, I like his work. You know, three, he did he did 300, right? He did 300. Yeah. Yeah, all the glistening yeah, he, abs good and stuff. For, yeah. for capturing those um, those great like visual set pieces. Yeah, I mean, I th- I thought he did he did fine. There's a couple of things that I I maybe I wouldn't have done if I was the big time Hollywood producer and he was the guy hosting Hero Talk. But that's not how mm-hmm. the world worked out. So. But I thought I thought it was just fine. I think the, there's the cast of this really did impress me, and there were some people that I I thought were great. I actually, and I know people like to criticize his performance. I liked Mike Shannon. It's, it's, oh, he was fantastic. Uh, yeah, yeah, he did a good job. I I tell you guys, I have heard people rip him apart and be like, no, I know he's not Terrence Stamp, and he didn't say Neil before Zod, and I get that. I understand where the animosity comes in, but he was very good, and I think he played a lot of depth to the character. He, in fact, he he gave us a general Zod who wasn't just evil for the sake of evil, but you understood his his motivation. Yeah, yeah. and that that I think ties into why I at least why I'm okay with him not saying Neil before Zod because Zod in Man of Steel is not the type of person who would say Neil before Zod. Like coming from his own like character motivation and stuff, he's he's not about you know super ultra 
power, conquer the world type of thing. He's he's more just he's he's a simpler but more complex character at the same time. Yeah, I mean he's he he has a noble goal. He's like I'm trying to save Krypton, and I will save Krypton any way I can, and I will do whatever I got to do. And if I have to completely steamroll over this planet to do it, I'm saving Krypton. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, even to the point where he says, I'm not even going to go find some other planet to try to save Krypton on. I'm just going to save Krypton on this one planet I'm currently at, and I will kill all the indigenous population. I don't care. Yeah. 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 I think that, uh, yeah, I'm going to just go ahead and agree with you guys. I, I think he did a good job. And, you know, he's not stamp. He's not going to give the same performance. This is not the same. This is not the same type of movie. Right. He's not the same type of Zod, just like Henry Cavill is not the same type of Superman. Yeah. yeah, from from earlier. I know he was. It was a, a little. I, I, the problem with some Superman origin stories is that whenever you want to think Superman origin story, they had about ten years of it on TV for quite a while, and, and people are kind of a little sick of <laughs> Clark Kent trying to find his powers. However, I gotta say, I did sort of like Deadliest Catch Superman, like <laughs> fishing for crab and saving people at the same time, and I I just. I sort of like the whole I'm figuring out where I'm going, but wherever I go, I can't help but use my powers to save people. So then I got to take off again. Mm-hmm. Um, I kind of like that whole that journeying the earth and, and, and saving people and then having to leave again because of that. And quite frankly, uh, it's a nice little reference to Deadliest Catch. <laughs> when I first saw trailers for this movie, like I'm sitting there looking like, is this a Deadliest Catch movie? Um, just going back a little bit. Um, I don't know if there are any Halo fans out there, but General Zod. You know, and now that I'm thinking about it, he kind of reminds me of the Didact. Basically, he's just he was just trying to save his people, and you know, he was persecuted for it because he, you know, did whatever he had to do to to get what he had to get done. So th- there are parallels there. If you're a Halo fan out there, you know what I'm talking about. But I'm gonna move on now. Yeah, was the Didact the guy in Halo Four? Halo Four. Yes. Oh, okay. So I do know that guy. So I, I kind of, I kind of like General Zod. Um, Amy Adams. The, the only thing I really don't like about Amy Adams' as Lois Lane, which is not her fault, but the scriptwriter's fault, is that she seems to be very conveniently in the right place at the right time. And I know that's what Lois Lane does, but when you're going for the gritty, realistic reboot, all right, she can't just suddenly be showing up wherever they need her to be and aliens just taking her with them because Lois Lane needs to be in the scene. It just came out of nowhere, you know? Like, oh, we want to take her too. Why? Because she's you know, a female lead. I, I actually thought about that when I was rewatching this movie. And the reason I came up with is because uh, I figured Zod was probably watching all the news feeds, all the broadcasts, you know, Earth was doing. And they were mentioning Lois Lane a lot because one guy was on the air saying Lois Lane knows knows this alien. So I figured maybe they just figured he, she had some kind of connection to him. And they're like, just bring her along too. Fair enough. I'll, I'll, let, I'll let that go simply because one of the story credits is, is actually Chris Nolan and... Chris Nolan is sort of known for only giving you half the story and full well expecting the audience to meet him the other half of the way. So that being yeah. the case, yeah, yeah, I could I could see that because that's what he does. So I, I kind sometimes of, the audience doesn't meet him halfway, but yeah, sometimes they don't and they kind of get mad. No, I kind of I liked her as Lois Lane. I I like when that she knows that he's Superman. Yeah, you know, because it's always been sort of a little odd when people just can't figure it out. Not just because it's silly they wear glasses, but like she knows both of them super, super well, and she can't figure it Intimately, out. Yeah, yeah, and it's a little ridiculous. So I kind of like that. Not only does she know that he's Superman, she didn't know just because she looked at him. She figured it out because 
you know, she's a good reporter. And you can add to that that when he does show up wearing glasses at the end, she immediately recognizes him. Yeah, like, you know, a pair of glasses and a comb over isn't going to fool isn't going to fool her because yeah. she's she's seen you before. <laughs> right. Like, it's not going to yeah. happen like that. Yeah. And what you know, that's the that's the kind of thing that that's worked over however many decades has Superman been around. Superman's been around uh, since like 1938. Since like the fi- 38. Yeah. Wow. I thought I was going to yeah, say 50. Before 50s. World War okay. II. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so yeah, he's he's been around for a long time, and all that time he's been fooling everyone, including Lois Lane. <laughs> right now, I can understand that. Like, it, listen, if you've never seen Superman up close, and then you got this guy you work with who's kind of a doof, you're not, you know, you're not really gonna immediately assume he's Superman. At the very least, you're gonna think he kind of looks like Superman a little bit, doesn't he? Yeah. But and and even with Superman doesn't wear a mask, so maybe most people don't even realize that he, you know, dresses up like a person and is among them. Has a day job and yeah, I think most people would imagine he's just he's always being Superman. Yeah, yeah, and that's uh, that's the thing that I liked about the about like the, you know the final scene when they're looking at each other and she's like you know she, she's got this knowing look on her face but she's like I'll, I I got you covered I won't yeah. I won't uh, I won't rat you out and yeah. just welcome to the planet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that double meaning there. Yep. <laughs> I see what she did there. Yeah, it's clever. He's been here for thirty three <laughs> years, but. <laughs> <laughs> um so let I want to I want to talk about Perry White, uh, played by Lawrence Fishburne. Now, see I always I always think Perry White, I think Lane Smith from Lois and Clark. That's sort of who I had to wrap my head around. But then I hear Lawrence Fishburne and when you when you hear Lawrence Fishburne you're like, "Okay, you let Lawrence Fishburne play whatever part he wants to play in this movie." Cuz <laughs> it's Lawrence Fishburne. He want if he wants to play Lois Lane, you let him play Lois Lane. You rework the script. That's how it works, because you got Lawrence Fishburne. And why do you go out of your way to bring a big name like Lawrence Fishburne to Perry White and give him nothing to do? He was awesome. He I, was. I know he was I awesome. I will defend. He did he, nothing. He held that girl's hand in what she thought would be her final moments. That kind of that whole scene felt like it was added on. Like somebody said at one of the script writing sessions, like, so are we going to use Lawrence Fishburne or, or what are we doing here? <laughs> Because it, it, it was kind of tacked on where you didn't really need a lot of tacking on. And it was like, well, we got to we got to add something to this. And I I don't know. I just it didn't it seemed like a waste. And I was I was all on board the Lawrence Fishburne train. I I heard well, he was coming to play Perry White. And I'm like, you know what? I'm on board. It's Lawrence Fishburne. I'm with it. I'm not going to question it. I'm going to assume he's going to be awesome. And then he gets three minutes of screen time. Well, I mean, part that that whole scene where what's her face was buried under the rubble and he was trying to dig her out. Uh, when they're all about to die, uh, like that—that that whole scene was uh, meant to to illustrate. Because um, what this movie was was doing was not only is it showing the virtues of Superman, but also like uh, the good that's that's in humanity who who will eventually rise up to his level. And that's that's just one of those small scenes. Like here's a guy who, if he just took off, could probably survive the alien death ray. He's about to wipe everything out. But instead, he's staying behind to hopelessly try to lift all this rubble off. And that's 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 a good thing. It's it's showing what Superman's fighting to save and why Zod may be wrong in terms right. of like just trampling over this species that may be like, you know, less advanced than them, but has just as much heart. Yeah. Humans aren't all holes in that. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's the main point we're trying to make. Here yeah. Deal. Um, let's just wrap up with the script real quick. I don't know the actress's name and I'm going to try to say it. Uh, Anche Trow. I'm sorry, Miss Trow. I'm assuming she's listening. Um, she played Feora Ul, or just Feora, uh, or Feor. Is that right, Feora? Yeah, I think Zod said it once, and that's about all I remember. 
Uh, I liked her in this. I don't know. I thought I understand yeah. that people were like she's not Ursa, but I think Feyora is actually from the comic. I liked her in it. I thought she made a good sub villain, especially somebody for Christopher Maloney's Nathan Hardy to face off against. <laughs> I like Chris Maloney in this movie. I'm sorry, I did. I thought he. I they thought, gave Chris Maloney more to do than they Lawrence did. Fishburne. They gave the made up character of Colonel Nathan Hardy more to do than Lawrence Fishburne. Wait, Hardy? Nathan Hardy. That was his name. Hardy. Oh, I'm th- okay. I'm thinking he's of he's not related else. to any comic book character that I know of or was able to look up. But of course, there is a very famous Navy SEAL named Nathan Hardy. So when you Google Nathan Hardy, that's what you get. So all right, all right. So moving on, we're gonna go past the cast. We'll we'll touch on these guys as we get to their scenes. What'd you think of the suit? I liked it. I loved it. it I, it's it's a it's a very good modernized depiction of the classic Superman suit. I know they're doing something in the comics as well, along the same the same uh, scheme as what they did in Man of Steel. But this, getting rid of the red trunks was brilliant. The red trunks have bothered me ever since I was a little kid. So we, we you can now add 33 years of my life where I thought the red trunks were silly. Uh, so I was glad that the red trunks went away. I would have liked a little more gold around the belt, but I was I was actually pretty good with the suit. I thought it was I it looked alien enough. Especially after they established what everybody wears on Krypton. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I was kind of a fan. Yeah. No issues with the suit at all. Yeah, no. I think the trunks would have been like a, a big eyesore, especially in today's, you know, in, especially nowadays, especially with like, you know, Batman getting rid of his trunks and just going like full black. Yeah. Um, full black, like armor kind of look. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that, you know, yeah, Superman should follow suit. Yeah, I I agree. I hope I hope Ben Affleck isn't wearing trunks. <laughs> and Wonder Woman. It. I'm I'm glad that they got rid of her like I don't like her spandex pandi- yeah. panties and gave her like a warrior's like yeah I don't know warrior shorts or whatever like a warrior. It it's it's more ancient ancient Greece less less America. Yeah. Oh yeah. When I think yeah. Wonder Woman, I want her to look as close to Xena as possible. And I, there you I go. Think, yeah, you I think they're going they're going that route because that's that's what I I just think you just take the Xena suit and you maybe tweak the colors a little bit on it and there you go that should be Wonder Woman basically right yeah and if Lucy Lawless was a little bit younger she could maybe pull it off but it's it's not 1994 anymore unfortunately I think she could still pull it off I don't know she's well we're doing an aged Batman we can do an aged Wonder Woman Wonder Woman's not supposed to age the real Wonder Woman doesn't age Vernon. <laughs> Wait a minute. So is this the same real Wonder Woman that's made of what clay and was yes. originally a statue and real Wonder Woman who's a statue and made of clay? Technically the daughter of Hades. And here I was thinking she was a fictional character. No, she's not. Real Wonder Woman doesn't <laughs> age. <laughs> yes, I realize I'm getting way too into this. All right. So this this first scene on Krypton, this is actually a pretty significantly long scene. I think longer than any glimpse we've ever had on the Krypton outside of maybe the cartoon and maybe, I don't know, everything they've done in the comic books. I'm sure they've visited it. I, well, I think even, even the cartoon, like this scene was long Yeah, by comparison. I, uh, you know, I kind of like the Krypton scene. Oh, starting out with uh Yeah. With, with Russ Jor-El. Crow. Yeah, with Jor-El and, and, and Zod and their their fight. And uh, although I do think, and this, this might be, and this... This comes back in the end of the movie, too. But if you're Zod and you've trained for battle and you've trained for war and that's your thing and that's your job and that's your one job, should scientist Jarrell be able to beat you up? Yes. <laughs> and here's why. Okay. I have two reasons. Okay. First one, not so serious. Second one, second one, actually serious. First one, because he's Maximus. 
and Zod has no chance against Maximus Decimus Meridius. And secondly... I'm going to cut that uh, one. Okay, sorry. <laughs> uh, secondly, uh, because the whole point of Man of Steel, like the point of the, of the movie, is that uh, it's about breaking the mold. It's about Jor-El. He, he breaks the mold because he does the whole like first natural birth uh, in centuries with, with, with Clark. Um, and because he, society wants him to be a scientist... And it turns out, hey, he can kick ass because he he moved he moved himself past that because he believed that that people need to evolve beyond just what society dictates you need to be. So Zod, he was meant to be the general, and Jor-El, he was meant to be the scientist. And Jor-El said, no, screw that. So now he's a kick-ass scientist. Okay, I'll accept that. Predicting mass Glad death you... and kicking ass at the same time. Yeah, exactly. I, uh, and you can apply this for the for the rest of the movie as well for for, for Clark and everyone. Mm-hmm. It does it does keep in in with uh, Chris Nolan's usual themes of he picks like that one theme for the story and everything has to echo that theme for the rest of the movie. Yeah, and th- that would be in line with it. I yeah I like the scene. I like the whole scene. I like I kind of like how Jarrell dies before the planet blows up. Like it kind of adds that extra exclamation point. I mean, it, it's completely worthless in the grand scheme of things because everyone's going to die. Yeah. But yeah. It, it just kind of it makes it a little bit more personal. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Do we do we have anything else to say about Krypton? Uh, not much. I mean, it uh, kind of reminded me of Pandora a little bit. Yeah. Uh, I, I liked Krypton because I felt they, they, had, they had captured what the, the, the message of Krypton was supposed to be and that it's decadent, it's steeped in mm-hmm. ritual and tradition, to the point where, like, thinking outside the box, if you will, is, is regarded as, as heresy. And I, I feel they capture that very well. Yeah, I I agree with you. I think, I, I love just about everything about the Krypton scenes. Um, the sad thing is, is that, so, that little dragon thing that Jarell's riding gets hurt, and you feel mm-hmm. real bad for it, and you're like, oh, I sure hope it's okay. And in the back of my head, I'm thinking, like, no, that and every single thing like that is going to die. <laughs> yep. <laughs> right. And that makes it a little bit sad. I'm like, oh, all the cool, all the cool dragon-like creatures. All the cool dragons are gonna die. Yeah, I liked it. I I thought it was a little odd that when when the ship is is going off, like none of Zod's people ever thought that maybe we should shoot it down. And it didn't occur to him until much later when Zod says, "But at that point in time, like their coup gets undone because apparently it wasn't very good." Yeah, they were all like soldiers i mean if a sh- they're invading this one complex and a ship happens to take off from that complex that like he had to tell them to shoot it down yeah i maybe it's it just they're too good of soldiers you know they're like exactly no, hey, i was gonna say that we don't we don't go off on our own this is we are not self-starters we do yeah, that goes told. back to the to the whole krypton thing like like they are bred for that purpose and they, they, they were just so good that it took zod coming out and yelling at them to shoot the ship down before yeah. they finally thought hey let's shoot the ship down yeah, wouldn't have even occurred to them. Like, my job, no, Zod said guard the door. My job's to guard the door. Right. There's a ship firing off. Not my job. My job is guard the door. <laughs> so Zod I, said, stay yeah. here. We are staying here. So he's, Zod so said, none comb of, none the of desert. Them... So we're combing the desert. <laughs> we found shit. <laughs> With um, a comb. An actual comb. Yeah. <laughs> so none of them are self-starters like, uh, say, Starscream. Right. Starscream uh, would have just was, got Zod. Zod was Starscream. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good thought. Yeah. So I, I, I liked I liked all the Krypton. I thought it was a pretty good it was a good introduction. And I you don't ever get a really good Krypton scene that's not just a up the planet's gonna blow up. I disagree. I'm gonna shoot a the thing into space. Like it really it set up Zod uh much better than Superman or Superman two did in you know, in terms of like how close his coup came to working. 
the Phantom Zone thing was kind of weird, though. Like, they... I don't know. Axelon, you're the, you're the defender of this movie now. Okay. <laughs> I accept. What, they get, like, gelled up, put in the tubes, and then shot into, like, the, the space halo? Is that... Uh-huh. That's how the Phantom Zone works? Like, doesn't that seem... Excessive? Yeah, exactly. The, the Phantom Zone... I mean, I, I'm not a Superman expert by any means, but from what I can understand, uh, the Phantom Zone is basically Krypton's prison, mm-hmm. and they're basically they're sending him to jail for 300 right. years. But it just it seemed... I always kind of saw the Phantom Zone in the comics and, and some of the other uh, instances I've seen it is as like like the containment unit from Ghostbusters, you know, where like you put people it, kind in kind of kind of yeah. in it and then they're just in it and they're like, oh, so we're just we're just hanging out here now. Yeah, now, they, they said they were going to do some kind of, of reconditioning right before they shot them in. Mm-hmm. But obviously, you know, because the whole planet blowing up, that didn't happen. But yeah, now moving on. Just one last thing I got to say about Krypton. Uh, some people had an issue that the the sun wasn't blatantly red. I think that would have made it really hard to watch this scene. So I'm kind of glad they didn't do that. I mean, can, can yeah. we just accept that, yeah, it's a red sun, but it still kind of looks normal because you don't want to see a red sun lit scene? Well, they didn't actually establish, establish the whole red sun thing. They just basically said that the environments yeah, were did. so different. Did they? Yeah. Yeah. I must have missed it. I think Jarrell said something about it at the beginning, right? When he was talking about they, how they don't—they don't, they don't cool. say directly that Krypton's sun is, but when they when they're talking about uh, Earth, when they find Earth, they're like that's a good location to send our sun. He's like, their sun is much younger than ours. It's it's nice and yellow. It'll give him superpowers, yeah. that kind of thing. Uh, okay. Yeah, it was it was very loosely alluded to in a way that yeah. just made it okay for me. Okay. All right. Yeah. Then that, that's fine. So the stuff when he's young, I I can't say I liked as much. You know, but it's, it's I, I can so see much... why the the whole thing with I, I didn't like it first until the end of the movie, because that going going to the whole he, he next snaps Zod. Right. Like up to that point, when when Zod invaded Earth, Superman or Clark had never gotten into a fight in his life. Like he is like bullies have always picked on him. And you could see like he wants to like just like lash out and just like punch their face in. But but he always always able to restrain himself. And then we go from this is a kid who always held back to. This is a guy who realizes he has to uh, snap this guy's neck to, you know, save all these other lives on the planet. So how do you know how? To, to snap a neck? You, you yeah. twist hard enough. And well, I mean, he's, he's never snaps. fought in his entire life. I mean, like... That's a damn fought, good point. Never fought in his entire life, but he knows, he knows how, how to, to snap a neck. Knows how to snap a neck. Well, I'm sure, I'm sure movies and books exist in the Man of Steel universe. I'm sure he's something. He puts all of his strength into it. Mm-hmm. Um, I can understand maybe, like, you know, watching from, like, seeing movies and stuff like that. Or he, maybe he but was... A then that makes it a little sillier, though. Because, I mean, so now you set up the scene. Zod, and he's going to burn the tourists. And Superman's got him in the chokehold. And Superman thinks, I saw Bruce Lee do this once. And brings <laughs> I'm not saying he was inspired by Bruce Lee neck-snapping someone. <laughs> But it, it begs the question, like, was that the only way to stop him? Yes. <laughs> well, I mean, if you watch the scene, he could have lifted Zod's head. He could have turned him away. If he, he, if away. he had very violent. If he had. Yeah. <laughs> that, that's what really happened. He's like, no, to the don't point look that he was way. To turn oh, no. He broke his neck accidentally. What did I do? <laughs> That was well, an accident. Yeah, like, he, I mean, he could have put his hand over his eyes. He's invulnerable on this planet, basically. Yeah. So, you know, it's not that I have a problem with the neck snap in that Superman would never do that. It's just there was clearly, there were clearly other ways. Yeah. 
But for that, the point, for though, that point, is for... that even if he had stopped that particular scene where he's about to laser the crap out of the family, like if he hadn't killed him, Zod would have like attacked some other random civilian, and he would have yeah. kept doing it until he died. Yeah, I think, I think yeah. the point that I kind of get at here is that they wanted to set up a scene where Superman had to kill Zod. So we can point out all the ways why Superman didn't have to kill Zod in this scene, but the bottom line is Chris Nolan would just be like, so how would he be in a situation where he had to kill Zod? And imagine that's what happened. <laughs> is this the same thing as we need to be on the same page as him? I think so, yeah. Like You, need to, you need to be together. there that, that Chris Nolan said, this is he has to kill Zod. There's no other escape. And if you think you found one, then just figure out a way why that wouldn't work. Actually, <laughs> Christopher Nolan was actually against that scene. He was originally against that scene, and he wanted to put Zod yes. in Phantom Zone. But uh, mm -hmm. Zack Snyder got him convinced. Yeah. I, I, you know, that scene didn't bother me. And I know that was the, th the thing that bothered a lot of people about this movie. And that's where you get a whole lot yeah. of real Superman doesn't kill. That didn't bother well, me Splash. because it's, he wasn't happy about it. Yeah. Like the way, <laughs> he wasn't like, the yeah, way, take that, you piece of shit. Yeah, the, the way you hear like some people who hate this movie describe Superman, it's like he did a fatality from Mortal Kombat on Zod and then like ripped his heart out and started eating it while smiling and grinning at Metropolis. It's like, no. Yeah. No. <laughs> no. I would say if there's one thing that I would argue against is that so he snaps his neck and then he establishes that he's really broken up about it and Lois Lane is there somehow and I'm <laughs> I'm okay with that too. But then the next scene, he's smiling and happy again. I really thought, like, for all the destruction and, you know, you had to kill, which really, really irked you, and you destroyed the last of your race, which has to bother you a bit, you should maybe still be a little upset. Well, it was some kind of a time skip between yeah, that there, and there, the there was a there was a time skip a little bit. Right, but I just, it, it didn't, I don't think that time skip was established to give me any perspective that it was long enough for him to be now okay with it. Once again, you got to be on the same page as Chris Nolan. Well, you know what, Chris yeah. Nolan? I've been, I've been more than halfway in this movie. You need to throw me a bone every now and then. All you need to know is that when Clark goes to the Daily Planet, it's completely rebuilt. Not a scratch. They've rebuilt from the devastation. It's a time skip. Yeah. Yep. And in fact, they're still having professional sporting events there now. They are. They're taking on Gotham City. Gotham. The Gotham rogues are going to destroy them. I like that they're wearing black and gold. Batman's colors. What's What's yeah. left of the of the rogues? Yeah, I know. <laughs> Apparently, if this happened after Bane attacked Gotham, yeah. then shit, they'd have to find a new team. Hey, they they still have that wide receiver who outran the explosion and the collapsing stadium. They so do. they're good. Ah, uh, yes. He's no. He's not playing anymore. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let's let's talk about some other aspects of this film because we've gotten off on a tangent. There was no kryptonite in Man of Steel. Good Thank thing. Thank God. Yeah, I good. I I think it's a lazy writer's tool that gets way overused. Well, it's uh, along with the subplots of the coup and the yeah. Codex and Zod wanting to rebuild Krypton. I think the kryptonite would have been over over the top. You know, a little yeah. too much. What has me worried, though, is that if now you're going to introduce a Batman and, in fact, set it up as Batman versus Superman, you know mm -hmm. they're going to have to bring about Kryptonite. How else are you going to have Batman versus Superman? And by having, you, having you, it by not having, last 10 seconds. By having Batman not attack him in a fist fight, but outsmart him and have him fight Wonder Woman instead by using her as his pawn. That seems mean. Hmm. That, Batman's mean. Batman's cold and calculating. He's misunderstood, really. Why fight harder when you can fight smarter? I guess. We'll see. I don't know. I'm not I can't really lay judgment down on a movie that hasn't come out yet. I'm just saying I I just I worry that Kryptonite's coming back. 
I'm worried about it too. I I'm hoping that maybe as an alternative, what they can do because they established in Man of Steel that mm -hmm. a Kryptonian atmosphere basically depowers him. Yeah. Uh, so maybe like he analyzes what the leftover debris from Zod's uh, crashed ship and algae, and maybe he sets up some kind of I don't know field that depowers him. Yeah, I mean. As long as they don't just have well, like, Lex look at this rock that. I found, then I'm okay with it. Yeah. yeah, yeah, Lex Luthor could do that. Yeah, Lex Luthor's a jerk. <laughs> um, I like that so... he's being played by the guy who played Mark Zuckerberg. It makes me think it's Superman versus Mark Zuckerberg. <laughs> oh man, so that that's I'm I'm glad that Kryptonite wasn't yeah. wasn't in this particular flick. Oh yeah. Um, the Did one you... thing that I'll say about about that is that while I am a little nervous that it may be coming in the future um i'm more accepting of if they went the route of you know someone reverse engineered some technology from the kryptonian ship to use against superman because the atmosphere you know weakens him i i bet people have seen it um you know they they knew that they that the Kryptonians were planning to terraform and turn their atmosphere into something closer to their planet. And maybe they might use that somehow. Maybe they might reverse engineer something from studying Zod's body. Yeah, maybe. Or he did take off his, his mech suit, his mech armor, right before the, the neck snapping. So maybe Lex Luthor or Batman like reverse engineers that and you get their iconic power suits. Isn't that in the teaser trailer? He's in a, a suit of armor, yes. He's in a it's, suit of armor very similar to the Dark Knight Returns. Armor. Yeah, but I mean, I for all we know, know, Batman just made that up on his own without reverse engineering it because he's Batman. Yeah, we, we, we have no idea. Yeah, and I don't know why they would be fighting anyway. It uh, Unless they brought it straight out of the comic, I don't know. Why, I don't understand why they would be fighting anyway if they're setting up the Justice League. Yeah, but we uh, we digress. So um, let's let's talk about some of these action scenes because we're, we're dissecting all this, this minutia and it's Superman, and stuff blows up, and we need to talk about some blowing up. So let's talk Smallville. I love this fight. I thought it was a, a great action sequence. Yep. I did, although I thought of, wow, this reminds me of Dragon Ball Z. It, I mean, you're going to get that. It should. Yeah. It should. It's Superman fighting, ac actually fighting. It should absolutely remind you of Dragon Ball Z. That's how he fights. Yeah. I will I will say though, then this scene kind of I'm okay with it, but this scene kind of brought to my head a couple of things like are we just going to let go that basically most of Smallville knows that Clark is Superman, but they're just not saying anything? Like I think that's kind of been the general thing. Like just like just like the whole Clark can is Superman glasses. Yeah. Like Smallville kind of knows, they just don't say anything. Out yeah. of respect, well, I imagine. How? I mean the IHOP guy knows. Well that was that was Pete Ross who I didn't like that guy's Pete Ross. I think Sam Jones when I think Pete Ross from Smallville. So when it throws me when that guy says I'm Pete Ross, I'm like, no, you're not. <laughs> Sam Jones is Pete Ross. You have not had your character established well enough for me to accept you as Pete Ross yet. Uh, he was a small part anyway. Yeah. Now, I get that he knows him, but like, let's look at some other stuff that happened. You know, General Zod comes down to Earth and wrecks Kent Farm. He goes directly to the Kent Farm. When Lois Lane gets dropped off somewhere and she needs somewhere to go, she asks them to take her to Kent Farm. And the cops go to Kent Farm where Superman is. Like, e <laughs> either, either everybody knows or everyone's just really, really dense. So I just, I just have like, I like to go with the idea that everyone in Smallville basically knows. And they just don't say anything because 
They probably don't want aliens coming to their door and blowing them up. Right. <laughs> that, or they don't want to anger the guy who keeps saving their lives from impossible situations. Yeah. Like, oh, like if he can pick up the school other bus. aliens through their buildings. Yeah. Yeah. So it just, I'm sort of okay with that. I just kind of felt that, you know, like, again, I think Nolan wanted me to beat him halfway. He's like, yeah, everyone knows, but I'm not going to establish that. I'm just going to show that everyone doesn't care, and you got to meet me on this one. <laughs> That's how... Again, it's not. It's not that he. They, they knew he was Superman. Quote. Right. I mean, because Superman didn't exist at that right. point. But really. They, they, just, they knew... knew Clark Kent had was a little weird, and he had powers. They knew that he he had some abilities that were far beyond those of mortal men, and uh-huh. and plus they recognized him when they saw him in Smallville. Like, yeah, clearly they recognized him, and so it was just one of those deals where they're like, "Listen, that's the Kent kid. Whatever. We're not gonna." And and maybe this comes up more in the sequel when you know because at this point he doesn't exist for them to blow the whistle. Maybe in the sequel it turns right. into like, hey, we know who this is, and then you know maybe Lucius Fox has to come down to Pete Ross and be like, so you think that your former childhood friend is a superhuman <laughs> god who beats alien overlords to a bloody pulp in his spare time, and your plan is to blackmail this person? <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> I figure at the very least, if Lois Lane was able to interview them and you know piece the puzzle together that Clark Kent is more than meets the eye, so can the world's greatest detective. Yeah. No, I'm 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 perfectly okay yeah, if Batman yeah. rolls in already knowing. Because if Lois Lane can do it, Batman can do it. In fact, I think Lawrence Fishburne as as Perry White, not Lawrence Fishburne himself, because he's the actor. Um I think Perry White should also know because he's also a good reporter. I'm I'm okay with him doing like the like the I I kind of know, but I'm not gonna say anything. Like the way Lucius Fox does. Well, he kind of did. Um, when 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 Lois decided to suddenly drop her story that she was building up and, and arguing and fighting with him over, and like like he had this feeling. He's like, it's probably real, but I'm just gonna drop it. Yeah. Like, something. Yeah. Like, she poked a beehive somewhere. I'm I'm just gonna drop it right now. Yeah. I um I was okay with that. I. I just think if if we can establish in future movies that he basically knows that hey my guy Clark Kent he's the Superman I'm I'm gonna be okay with that yeah yeah I'd be okay with that yeah yeah so, I'm fine with mm-hmm. that so what do you think about him letting Pa Kent die uh unnecessary I mean yeah, that the fact that he didn't the... die from a heart attack yeah you, you know he doesn't always have to die there's many of incarnations where Pa Kent is still alive and there's there's an there's an incarnation where Pa Kent is brought back to life yeah. So oh, we don't talk about but, resurrections here, but please. yeah, like uh, okay, I won't. But um, <laughs> seriously, seriously though, yeah, he didn't have to die. But if he was going to die, a freaking tornado that just comes out of nowhere that he could have easily been saved from, because I mean that I mean Clark could have could have you know done something to without rousing suspicion suspicion. Yeah. Or let me and let's be perfectly honest. If we're already kind of looking at like everyone kind of knows and they don't say anything, so this would have been what just a couple of years earlier them knowing and not saying anything. Yeah, right. uh, this the only thing I can think of to half justify that. This, I mean, this is the the most head scratching part of all of Man of Steel yeah. was this scene. Uh, it's like he Paul Kent. He somehow he he just he just felt that now was not the time for the world to know that my my son can you know is a god basically and can do all these things like he like he this is a more paranoid pa kent that we've seen in previous uh, incarnations 
Yeah, he, he yeah. he's worried about I don't know, maybe the government's gonna try to steal him and make him a weapon or or maybe the world just is gonna like go X Men on him and think he's a freak and you know Yeah, like he doesn't know how the world's gonna react, yeah. And he wants to protect his son. Yeah. I it just it it was really a little bit kind of like a, a forced sad moment. Uh, again, yeah, and this is like, I mean, even more so than the Zod moment where like Pa has to die. Yeah. I I think it was unnecessary. I think what would have been better was if he had died in the sequel to a heart attack because now 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 Clark is established you know he's he's out there punching alien overlords and snapping their necks um and then like a, a simple heart attack like with all his power that now he can't stop this yeah i think that would have been better i i just it just felt like especially since pa was the kind of guy like well sometimes you got to let people die and like that doesn't feel like a pa kent that i i would like like now he kind of i i get where he's coming from but i like the pa kent going like you know you have a gift like you got to use it to help people because that's why you've given gifts. And this is a guy like you have a gift and you need to keep it hidden until people are ready. And if that means a school bus full of children has to die, then stuff happens. But that was he the point of pa- that was the point of Pa Kent being that was that he was the sort of antithesis to Jor-El, who was telling him you have these powers, you will be the beacon of hope. That will lead these people and stuff like that. You can't have two people in this movie because it just builds up the, well, the Jesus metaphor. Yeah, I just, I, it just felt like you don't, it was a betrayal of Pa Kent as a character. And I'm not even saying like in terms of the comic books. I mean, in terms of the context of this movie, yeah. I would have liked to have seen Pa Kent be more of a moral compass. Like, all right, so Jarrell sends you down here because you'll have great power. And then Pa Kent teaches you where you should be directing your power and that's what makes him superman yeah and this movie jor-el definitely had more well i won't say more but an equal share of the influence in yeah. how superman directed his powers and how to use them we got to have a cool super space hologram that interacted with people in a fun way i i actually liked it i mean i didn't i don't yeah it's, it certainly was done better than in some other Superman movies, although kind of a jerk move not letting Laura have one. <laughs> how it should have ended? Yeah. No, we'll, we'll get yeah. to how it should have ended because it's a jerk move, and as long as we're here, why wouldn't you go ask Jarrell what to do with Zod? Why would you just go and find some random minister? Somewhere? Some random minister in a random in, Unless you Kansas? just needed to be standing in front of a picture of Jesus because you haven't driven that metaphor home enough yet. <laughs> I was under the impression that that was in Smallville. That he went back home to his local church. Yeah, yeah, he was, and, he was and that's why mom. he went there. Yeah, I mean, I, I suppose, and I, I get, and I, I kind of liked it, and I actually did like that scene. I, I don't, I don't want to knock the scene. I liked it. I thought it was a good scene, and it was you, you almost felt for the minister here because you know here's this situation like, like there's there's no chance they trained you for something like this at seminary. <laughs> oh, absolutely not. So he's he's just kind of like, all right, I just got to go with my gut here and tell him something because I don't know what else to tell him. And I like the scene, but it just seems like and it makes it did, it did. It made perfect sense to me. This guy was raised in Kansas. He was looking for a moral compass. His dad was dead. He went, you know, he went to what he knew. And and I and I get that. But why wouldn't you ask Jarrell as as well? Be like, hey, you know, Jarrell actually knows Zod. Let me talk to he, him. He might have been looking for an unbiased source because Jarrell. Maybe he was. You know, maybe because Jarrell is a Kryptonian. Maybe he might not have the same exact perspective mm -hmm. a human moral source would. So you got to think: if I turn myself in, will Zod just leave once once he gets me and go somewhere else? And I guess that's maybe the gamble that he has to take. Yeah. You know, will Zod just leave, or will Zod? set camp here on earth because 
you know, you don't actually know Zod's just going to set camp on Earth. You know, you, he could have gone somewhere else and terraformed. It just do kind they of ever really do that, though. They no, they never do. Earth is the center of the universe in terms of all of these well, stories. Is it, it? It works for Zod. Zod is uh, my job is to preserve Krypton, and like I don't care if I could find another planet. This one works, but you know, maybe, maybe I don't know. It's it seemed like he should have asked, but I can. I guess as I'm talking through it now, I can kind of justify not asking. Yeah, in terms of that, and you know, why did why did he snap Zod's neck? Why didn't he go to talk to Jarell again to figure out how to beat him? Um, you know, this, that, and the other. It just—he's only been in the suit for forty-eight hours, seventy-two hours at this point. Yeah, max, um, max seventy-two hours. Like he—he he hasn't had as much experience. This is a rookie Superman, so you know, it's it just like the things that we think of and the things that the Superman that we're used to might think of this this version probably wouldn't because he's not really a superhero he's an alien yeah i guess there's maybe a certain element to that like you know to him this guy is you know this guy isn't really my space dad you know he's like he's this hologram thing but he's not a person he's not somebody i can relate to he's from this literal alien world you know i guess maybe i could see him going like i i'm not going to talk to some alien hologram thing i'm going to talk to you know what i know and in this case it's right mom and a minister right that's what i was trying to get at before with the whole i need a human moral compass for the other side yeah i guess i see that as, as i talk it through now with you guys i'm actually kind of more okay with that plus i don't think you know Jarrell would have known the plan to get rid of zod at that point anyway because he didn't figure that out until he actually saw zod's ship and kind of figured yeah. out what was going on and i also was under the impression that that plan really wouldn't work until you started terraforming. You can't just throw your ship at his. It would unless it's actually doing its thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But um. So let's let's we've we've made some references to it. Let's talk about this this final action sequence because this this is sort of the one that everyone has a, has an issue with, and we we'll, we will we will take it from the beginning. Okay. Oh, this this is why I wanted to be on this on this podcast. This this is just to talk about this fight scene. Yeah. Ah. <laughs> so let's we'll, let's take it right from the beginning. You have this two pronged plan. You got one is fly the ship into the thing. I don't remember what it's called, so I'm just going to call it the thing. And then number two, you have Superman um, trying to beat the space tentacled other thing. <laughs> uh, I don't know why su- the Superman space tentacle thing was was kind of weird, especially because there wasn't any space tentacles on the other thing. On the other one. <laughs> I don't It just, I don't Axie, what, what do you think? Make this right for me. Okay. Um... What, what what is wrong that needs to be righted for you? Why was Superman fighting a space tentacle thing and nobody else was fighting a space tentacle thing? Because Superman can fly really, really fast and he could get there before anyone else could. Why wasn't there a space tentacle thing on the other thing? Because that is a unique thing. They, they, Zod only had one of them. And that is it had tentacles and Superman was fighting it before it destroyed the planet or terraformed well, it. Then aren't we really lucky it didn't work out the other way around? Well, if it was in Metropolis, he, Superman would have flown and fought it there. Like, no matter where that was, Superman was going to fly there and fight it. Right. I'm just saying, like, I think we're pretty fortunate that Superman, like, happened to pick the one that had the tentacle things and not the people. Well, they, they knew. They knew which one it was. He knew which one had the tentacles? Y- yes. How'd they know? Because all of a sudden, Zod dropped this giant machine from orbit, and it started terraforming the planet. <laughs> but it was, it was a two-part machine, and they picked which one they wanted to work with. And Superman picked the one that was further away, and that happened to be the super tentacle one. Yeah, the one doing more damage to the planet. He picked that one. Right, but if the one that was in Metropolis was the super tentacle one, we would have been screwed, because they would have just ripped that plane out of the sky, and then there you go. There goes your plan. No more Phantom Drive. 
but okay, so okay, I think that <laughs> we're getting really, really into it, and I just want to pull it back for a minute and say that I think that Superman chose the one that was in India or South America or wherever it was that he was the fastest respondent. Right, and I, I yeah. regardless yeah. of regardless of knowing whether or not it had tentacles or defenses or something like that, he was the fat he he was the only one that could get there fastest. And, you know, they flew the plane into the other one. No one knew about the tentacle thing. And it's very likely that both or one of them could have, you know, the one in Metropolis could have had the tentacles. We we, we don't know that. They didn't know that. I guess maybe just, if it got close enough, they might have seen it. But they were staying far away until he actually turned off the other one. Yeah. Oh, they they did have tentacles until he because... flew really close to it. So Yeah. So there we go. We fixed it. Thanks, Axie. Try. <laughs> that was great, guys. Like, Thank you. Yeah, so we fixed it. Everybody, you listen to this podcast. We will fix Man of Steel for you. Okay. We've so far fixed it. just about every all the major issues that we've had thus far. So let's let's keep rolling. All right. So we get this. I do think that it was a little bit unnecessary that they couldn't quite turn the drive on right away, and they had to figure this thing out. Um, oh, that was so dumb. <laughs> yeah, it, it added a tension that maybe the scene didn't get, although it did lead to, to uh, a part that I really did like, which when Feora goes in on uh, Chris Maloney, I've already forgotten his character's name. Hardy? Uh, Nathan Hardy, yeah. When he goes on to Nathan Hardy and he like throws her line back at her and you know basically kamikazes the, the drive right into the, into the device yeah. and takes her out and he's like, yeah, so turns out I'm just some dude, but I can end you right here. And I was actually a big <laughs> fan of that. Yeah, that yeah. one was pretty cool. Although that whole uh, that drive thing, though, was like it's not going in. It's like push it in. Just <laughs> yeah, just push, push in. the little does it, does metal push in? activation we, key in. Oh well, why don't we turn this thing? Like, really, you guys didn't get this taken care of ahead of time? Well, you know, the rush because of all the destruction and terraforming and the thing. Get, I don't. It just it felt like that added an extra sense of of tension that we didn't need. And then we the get dubstep. To, we get to my my least favorite part of the entire movie. As Lois Lane falls out the back of the plane and falls down to Earth, <laughs> while the cars and trucks and pieces of building are sucked into the singularity, she is falling down while cars are going up. Somebody make mm. that right, because I don't metal? think there's a way. M- metal Maybe it was and magnetic. It's it's gravity magnetic? though. Okay. It's a singularity. It's. <laughs> oh, it's a phantom zone warp thing. So the Phantom Zone works on a magnetic singularity. I don't know. So then why, did, why did it have to suck Superman in then? Because his, his... It tried sucking him in. He, he outflew it. Right. So if it was magnetic, why did he get sucked in? Are you saying Maybe the materials magnetic? of his suit are attracted mm-hmm. to the singularity. Or maybe it's latched on, latching onto Kryptonian DNA in addition to yeah. you know, metallic's properties. Or maybe they didn't quite think that scene through. Or that. <laughs> And they needed more tension before the final yeah, battle. They needed more. Because in general, I like the principle of that part of the movie. I just don't like that you can very clearly see cars are going up while Lois is falling down. <laughs> like She did fall out before the plane cr- crashed into the plane. Yeah, created. but again, it's, it's, and I'm okay with any of these explanations if you didn't clearly show well, on her way down, cars flying past her on their way up. I don't know. Maybe she was further away. But the cars didn't have any issue. The cars were going right past her. It was weird. I think it it was very weird. I I think maybe it was weird. They didn't quite think that went all the way through. So they needed to have a scene where Lois Lane was falling and Superman caught her. Yeah, 
I, I get it. Like I, I like the the principle of the scene. I just it's don't like like, like Spider Man webbing someone up in, in a web. Like Superman does that. That's his iconic scene. Yeah, it just it just kind of felt a little bit more like perhaps I'm just saying maybe you shouldn't have shown the cars flying upwards while she was falling. Show her being farther yeah. away. Or maybe she more attention to just, detail. Yeah, maybe she shouldn't have been on the plane in the first place. Yeah, why was she on? Because she knew how it worked, right? But it was really just you put the thing in the hole. Pretty much, yeah. She could have yeah. just said that to them yeah. and just put this like, thing in the hole and make sure that rotatey thing he's lined up. And even then, she didn't do that. One scientist sacrificed himself to yeah. do it. Yeah. So, and that's like the main. That was like the main scientist that actually, you know, mm-hmm. is from like you know the cartoon. I'm not sure if he's from the comic, but um. Yeah, he's from the cartoon, and he helps Superman on more than one occasion, and he even turns on him. Yeah, Doctor. So, uh, oh, what was his name? I can't remember. I can't remember his name, but he's definitely from like Doctor you know, the, the Superman. Yeah, and he's definitely from the cartoon, and I think he's yeah. also in the comics. Yeah, and they killed. Okay. Him. Yeah. So yeah, they just kill, they just killed him off. They sent him to the Phantom Zone. Maybe he gets out of the Phantom Zone. Oh yeah. Shit. <laughs> him and Chris Maloney and Feyora come back, and they're now a three-person crime fighting team. I'd watch that movie. <laughs> I would watch that movie. Actually, I think Chris Maloney's looking for a TV show right now. I would watch that sitcom. Metropolis and Order. Yes. <laughs> I'm willing to do script treatments if anyone, yeah. you know, is who has that power is uh, chum, is chum. listening. Done, done. <laughs> All right. Done, done. So we we got. Let me let's let's go on with the scene because now we got to get the part that I know ever we, we're we're dying to talk about. Now Zod and Superman fight in a scene that makes the end of the Avengers look like a restrained picnic. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. So okay, I'm, I'm going to go a little I'm off topic gonna, I'm here. I'm going to let you off the leash. Go. Um, this makes, it, it, just like what you said, it makes the Avengers look like a picnic. Yeah. Because I have to say, real quick about the Avengers, that is one of the worst alien invasions I've ever seen in a movie. They were very respectful of personal property. They were. The, the, the NYPD kept them in a two-block radius. Mm-hmm. They were very riskful. Iron Man kept them in a two-block radius with with some help from the NYPD. <laughs> yeah, and it's like the only alien invasion I can think of that was worse than them were the aliens and signs who melted in water. Spoilers, <laughs> <laughs> folks. We said it was a spoiler podcast. You can't get mad. <laughs> <laughs> who didn't do uh, so proper going... research on our planet? Yeah, yeah that that was horrible. That that was the worst. But the the Chitauri were pretty bad too. So going to Band of Steel though. Back on topic, this. A lot of people were complaining about the level of violence and destruction, about uh, the whole the whole Metropolis is falling apart thing, and that that's how it should have been all the time. Like the people didn't complain in in like when in the cartoon when Superman and Doomsday were trying to tear each other's throats out, and they were leveling half of Metropolis. Oh no! Oh, now it's happening in live action. Now it, it's a bad thing. How, how come he didn't do like the Avengers? Did? Well, maybe Zod is stronger, or is just as strong as Superman, and he can't just knock him out in one punch. Did you think about that? No, you didn't. You just you're just hating for no reason. I I will say, and and let me just interject, and I'll I'll let you back off. But just I rewatched this movie, and when I got to the scene, I specifically looked at it through the mind of, okay, so how indifferent are they to destruction? And I will say, Superman does a pretty decent job of trying to knock Zod into things that are not filled with people. And I would say about the only thing that he's really seemed indifferent to was when the LexCorp truck gets pushed in the garage and the garage is exploding around him. He had absolutely no care for what was going on with that parking garage and who was inside of it. And maybe it was nobody. I don't know. But uh, 
that's about the only time he really seemed to be completely indifferent to damage going on around him and and not even giving it the, any mind. You know, like he flew right mm-hmm. over the truck, let it blow up the parking garage and was like, whatever. But other than that, the only time he ever did anything that would have maybe taken other people out was when Zod hit him into stuff. And I guess the yeah. idea that he could have taken Zod somewhere else was a little like, I don't I don't know how, because Zod at that point he, didn't fly. He did. Yeah, he took him he to space at one point. Else. He took him to space, and then Zod grabbed Bruce Wayne's satellite and smacked him in the face with it. And Bruce and Wayne is going to be mad about that. Uh, that's, why yes, yes, yes. that's why it's that's Batman why That's why they're fighting Superman. each other. Batman never Superman. Right. You owe me a satellite. That should be the tagline. You owe me a satellite. Yeah. I didn't mean to break your satellite, <laughs> I swear. Swear to me. Re- reporter's salary. Yeah. Yeah, good luck paying that one off, Clark. <laughs> but, but yeah, so I actually, I didn't have too much of an issue other than Superman definitely didn't care about that parking garage. Sorry, I didn't really um, think that Clark was trying to be conscious of, like, the things around him. I guess he wasn't, but I think people people see Superman and they think, like, he's going to try to minimize collateral damage. Uh, like he did in Smallville. Yeah, if you look at okay. who, who does collateral damage in this movie, it goes like this. Zod and his army... Or his minions, they cause the most damage. Mm-hmm. Then it's America. Yeah. They do more damage than Superman. <laughs> like, they, they strafed Smallville with A-10s, and they were like dropping <laughs> missiles. They were doing more damage to Smallville than Superman ever was. <laughs> and then Superman. He comes in last for collateral damage. Yeah. yeah, like I said, other than the parking garage, he did not seem that indifferent to the destruction going on around him. He was definitely hitting Zod into construction sites and empty buildings and space. And Zod was always bringing it back to other people. And yeah, he wrecked the side of a building. And Zod punched Superman through a building. And there were lights on that then went out. So, you know, sad. Some people probably got caught in that. Maybe. You never know. But it really, I really didn't see Superman as being directly responsible for deaths the way that people kind of made it out to be when they saw this scene the first time. Yeah, like, if you hear, like, some of the the arguments about it, like, it, made, it makes it seem like Superman single-handedly destroyed half of Metropolis. That's, it's, it's so blatantly Yeah, yeah uh, people describe it like Superman just turned on his X-ray vision and fried an entire block. You know what <laughs> yeah. I mean? Like, but, and then we get to, to Zod dying. I don't Do you have anything else to say on it, Axie? Um, I mean, I, I felt it was it was done well. I mean, yeah, you could. See, I mean, we 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 talked about this earlier. It was like, oh yeah, he could have stopped him some other way, but then he would, would have just gone on and killed someone else or tried right. to kill someone else. Yeah, I. Uh, but yeah, go ahead. Sorry. But as as for anything different, um, the only other thing I'll I'll say is that this is not a a new thing to the Superman mythos. Like Superman is not Batman. He he doesn't have a a no kill policy. He prefers not to kill. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in cases of absolute. Uh, extremes, Superman will do that. Like, he, he will kill someone if, if they're a, a huge danger. Mm-hmm. And he did it no, most notably in the comics with Zod. Like, like Luthor, he, Lex Luthor is somehow still alive after all, all the crap he's put Superman through, but with Zod, he's like, nope, you're dead. Comic book, movies, he killed him in Superman 2 as well, even though they tried to make a cut where he didn't kill him with the Antarctic police. That was dumb. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I mean, that's really all I have to say. I thought, I thought it was well done. So now's the time on Hero Talk where we discuss what our favorite part of the movie was. And I'm going to go to the veteran first. Vernon, what was your favorite part of this movie? Welcome to the planet. The very last line of the movie. The very last line. Well, well, not the very last line, but like second to last line. Um, because there's there's two reasons why that's like my favorite. One is it's just the the play on, you know, the the play on words and, you know, just the whole cleverness of it i thought that was it was it was cheeky and i i just i i can't uh 
I can't say no to a little cheeky comedy. But the second reason is that, um, yeah, over the almost century that Superman has been around, no one has like no one has noticed that he just puts on a pair of glasses and, you know, uh, does a comb over with his hair and everything like that. He's a completely different person. No one knows him, especially Lois Lane. So Batman I'm glad see... <laughs> But that's because because he's Batman. <laughs> so yeah, like I'm glad that she figured it out. Uh, well, at least beforehand, like she did the detective work and everything like that and figured it out. But like you know, a pair of glasses and a comb over aren't going to fool her. You know that, that just. You know, that that's just my that's just my take. I really liked it and I'm glad that they went that route instead of him just coming in and not she her she didn't she doesn't recognize him, you know, even though she's met him before. Mm-hmm. Both in and out of the Superman costume. It was him very well in both cases. Yep. Kissed him and everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But no, glasses throw away off. <laughs> Although Chris Reeve, when he used to play Superman and, and Clark Kent, he played them very differently. Like yeah. There's that one incredible scene, I think, in the first movie where he takes the glasses off and he changes his whole posture. And then he's like, no, no, no. And he puts it back on. And like he did kind of look like a totally different person. Yeah. Yeah. He did. He did it very well switching between the two characters. Yeah. And I, yeah, I really appreciate uh, it. There's a drawing somewhere of Clark Kent and Superman saying next to And Clark is all like slouched. He got, he's got his hands in his pockets. And he looks like a good like two or three inches shorter than yeah. Superman does. Just, just from posture alone. All right. So Axelon. What was your favorite part of this movie? My favorite part of this movie was probably when he was first, uh, well, he, he, when he first got the suit on, and he was figuring out how to fly. I, I don't know, just just the scene where he's like, he's finally, he's 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 accepted who and what he is. He knows who and what he is, and now he he's testing his limits. And plus, that score helped a lot. So now we come to to my favorite part of the movie. I like the Smallville battle scene. Also very good. Yeah, yeah I like I like that. First of all, that they don't kill the dog because I thought they were going to do that, and I don't like when they do that. That's that's a cheap that's a cheap <laughs> emotional pull. So they don't kill the dog. Uh, there's a it's a it's a great fight. He goes, you know, he's saving people. It's a good action sequence. The military shows up and they get all confused. And Chris Maloney has that great standoff with Feora. And then Superman comes in and then he realizes through all of this. And he, it, the end of the scene with this man is not our enemy. And I was just that was the scene for me. That was that's the scene that says to me, Man of Steel, that's what they're going for. And I think that's the scene that that hit on every single note. Yeah. So now is the time on Hero Talk when we score the movie. And I will go in reverse order. Axelon, for the newbie, what would you give this movie? I would give this movie 9,001 Zod neck snaps out of 9,001. Wow. All 9,001. That's impressive. Yeah. Is this, uh, this, is, oh. this is your first 9,001 rating, isn't it? Yes, it is. Wow. That's very good. No movie has ever earned a 9,001 Zod neck snap that's, rating. It's our very first 9,001 Zod neck snap rating here on Hero Talk. All right. Vernon, <laughs> that's going to be hard to top. What do you um, this movie? I'm not going to try. I'm going to go seven neck snaps out of ten. Seven neck snaps out of ten. It was decent. Um, there were some things that, you know, could have been better, but it, it was an enjoyable ride. Oh, See, now I feel like, like I need to use net, neck snaps too, but I'm not going to. I'm going to give this movie four dying alien planets out of five. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I went I went a little dark, and I know that. But that's all right. Hey, and that was Hero Talk. Uh, Vernon, Axelon, thank you for joining me. Thanks for having Good me. Good to be here. 
All right. Hey, if you have a movie that you want us to discuss on Hero Talk, or if you'd like to join me on my panel, you can email HeroTalk at Enthusiacs.com. On behalf of my panel, I want to thank everyone for joining us. For more podcasts, Let's Plays, articles, videos, and reviews, visit us at Enthusiacs.com. Follow us on Twitter at Enthusiacs and subscribe to our YouTube channel. That's YouTube.com slash Enthusiacs. And as always, we will see you right back here on the next Hero Talk.